Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast with me, Andrew Levins. And me, Siobhan Coombs. And uh, we are recording live from Siobhan's living room. We're back Woo! together again, Finally. surrounded by comics, because every week we review all of last week's comics and let you know which were the good ones, the bad ones, the ones you should be reading, and the ones you shouldn't. Every single comic that we're about to review on this show was uh, kindly given to us by the good people at King's Comics in Sydney. If you are ever in Sydney, go visit them and pick up some bargains. 310 Pitt Street in mm-hmm. Sydney is where you can find them. Or you can hit up kingscomics.com to buy any of the comics that we talk about. Even the really rare ones. They have an incredible selection of singles, trades, and toys. Yep. So many toys. So much merchandise, guys. And, and clothes. Clothes. Yeah. T-shirts. You can pretty much dress. We even have... <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of like underpants. Yep. That are just sitting in a sale bin, just saucy, waiting. Saucy DC bombshells underpants. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't like aren't some under? There's like framed underwear in the store too, right? Well, that's how we thought we'd display it in a frame. Yeah, we're all what you want Jim to wear. Yeah, I'd, absolutely. <laughs> I really pushed for that. I really pushed for that. Um, Siobhan, this episode of Serious Issues is brought to you and you just you, yep, by, by a, uh, a listener who has been extremely generous and has signed up at uh, probably like the, one of the highest tiers you can join Gee up whiz. as a supporter of Serious Issues um, uh, to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Serious Issues podcast. Um, Tom Burton, who is a name who you've certainly heard on many episodes of Serious Issues before because he is a guest contributor. He signed up to a level uh, of our, on our Patreon um, where he is able to submit Reviews of the various comics he reads week to week, and we'll read it out on the show, and uh, basically add his review to our reviews, and we actually have one to read out later in the episode. Cool. So very good, Tom. Good sync Renicity. He didn't know that this week's episode was brought to brought to him by him, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, go- this. there's going to be a review from Tom about a comic that I read that Siobhan didn't. So cool. it's, it's going to be for once. I'm going to feel like I have a co-host that read <laughs> Descender. Just had a co-host at all. <laughs> <laughs> Siobhan, every single week on Serious Issues, we review all of, we start off the show, that is, mm. um, by reviewing all of the number one issues that came out last week in a little segment we like to call... First Things First. So good at call and response. <laughs> Um, I was distracted looking at the cover of the first comic. It's very, it's a very about. sexy cover. It is. Um, so normally we always like go like, oh, let's start with the Marvel number ones or the mm. DC number ones. But we are living in an incredible timeline in which there are no Marvel number ones anymore. Whoa! What do we do to deserve this? Um, and I'm sick of reviewing the weird Batman spin-off books for mm. the metal event uh, as, as as our first number one. So let's review a Boombox book. 
Um, the Boombox is the young and queer um, kind of uh, sub-label. Imprint. Imprint that, uh, that is part of Boom um, and has given us incredible uh, runs that we've been absolute massive fans of, including yep. Slam. Misfit City. Uh, Giant Days. Mm-hmm. Uh What's the one I really like about the kid, the backstages? Backstages, that was yeah. Really good. Um, and uh, this week we get one with a very striking, uh, all white front mm. cover. Um, the the book is called Fence, um, and unfortunately, it's not about like a Building bunch of builders. Fences. Yeah, the the, the next there's a spin off series of this called Gate. <laughs> Uh, this is actually about fencing, which is much more interesting than the building comic. But I still want the building comic. I still want a building comic. Also uh, a comic about like uh, selling things on the black market, like fencing. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, look. Give, give, give it all of us. It's got a lot of potential meanings. Um, but Fence, issue one, is written by C.S. Picat <coughs> and Johanna the Mad. Hell yeah. That's that's my new favorite um, comic, book, <laughs> comic book creator name. Yeah, it's incredible. With colors by Joanna Lafuente and letters by Jim Campbell. This is a book about a young, poor kid who dreams of being a fencer. Um, and so in order to try and get a scholarship, he scrounges what little money he has together to uh, fight, to do some fencing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's being taught by a, by a, by a has-been fencing champion. Uh, mm-hmm. He's an old, overweight uh, guy who is kind of giving him free... Basically, he, he like... Cleans this, he cleans graffiti off this guy's wall in return for, for fencing lessons. Um, Good deal. Yeah, and uh, we've meet this a bunch of these like you know real preppy kids that um, this this poor dude is trying to kind of uh, be better than at mm-hmm. fencing. Because shockingly, fencing is a really elitist sport. Who would have thought? Um, but it's certainly something that I've never even given like you know it's 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 something that you see in montages in movies. Yeah, at like rich boy like like all you think of is like Rushmore. Yeah, I had a bunch of friends in high school who were really into fencing, and you were like, oh, how elitist! I'm going to join the <laughs> Shakespeare school instead. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I loved this. This, this was this. such a fun book. It is like. Um, I had uh, Queens of Kings last night. It was good fun. It's the first one that I've been to in a little while because of babies. Um, but one of the girls described it as like, it's just everything you want from like a sports manga. Yes. In serialized monthly comic book form. Like we have the villain figure. Who yes. is this like, you know, uh, a, a Japanese fencer. who Called Seiji. Seiji, who, who basically... The first thing he says to the main character is that he's going to destroy him yeah. and beat him 15 to love, and that's exactly what happens. Yep. Um, and uh, then we learn that these two are now going to spend the rest of the series now as, as roommates. roommates. We're like, going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's real fun. It's so cute. I love this so much. It's like, you know, we talk a lot about like female representation in comics, but um, in terms of different styles of masculinity you don't get that a huge amount in mainstream comics you mostly get like ultra he-man superheroes totally and so something like fans or backstages is really rare for showing a different different aspects to um male male identity and so far this is like an absolute delight it's beautiful cartooning definitely really sweet i loved this and you know i really enjoyed the the comic slam which i think you could as far as other Mm -hmm. boombox comics you compare this one to because it is about a sport that there isn't many uh, kind of stories about, mm-hmm. um, but where Slam completely failed to show me why anyone would want yes. to be a um, roller derby roller person. derby uh, enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, fencing, like the the world that they that portray in this, just it seems like you know, oh my god, like I, I really want this guy to win. Absolutely, like, yeah, yeah, it's it's so great, and also does an incredible job of explaining the sport without 
doing a whole bunch of exposition. Yes. Like the way that Joanna the Mad uh, shows the matches happening, you really see every point that um, they make, and it's it's really compelling. Definitely, Good to watch. I also loved um, the descriptions of. Like just, just like various parts of fencing, like um, yeah. when, when he's being trained, he's told to hold his sword um, like a like a, a bird. Yeah. You don't want to let it. You don't want to let it go, but you also don't want to crush it. Yeah. And I, 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 like that was a very vivid picture. I mean, I'm sure that's something that lots of fences have been told in their lives. I guess <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah. And, and look, we we can't shortchange that so much of my love for this, and I'm sure yours comes mm. from the artwork of Johanna Mad and Joanna Fluente's colors. They're so. It's just so camp and pretty. Yeah, like, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I love that the final page where he goes, he's my roommate. Seiji is like taking his shirt off. It's like he's just surprised him in a sexy yeah. way. Uh, yeah, this is so, such good fun. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, 100%. This is my favorite. I think this was my favorite comic of the week. It was the thing I was most excited about. And it was like at the bottom of my pile. So I didn't, you know, disappoint myself with other things. But yeah. I love this. Look, I think all the Boombox series... You know they're they're kind of they're really really fun. They're always featuring characters that you don't read much of, mm-hmm. and are often written by, um, and 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 drawn by mm-hmm. artists that you know that we always say should have more, you know, m- more uh, more of a voice. More, yeah, exactly in, in, in comic books, and I feel like you should always give give them a chance. But fence in particular, I, yeah. I, I I don't know many people that wouldn't enjoy this in in some way. Like yeah, it, totally. It's, it's really really fun and sweet and sports stories. Even though, as someone that I'm not into that into sports, let alone fencing, this, mm. this captivated me immediately. Absolutely, I loved it. Good on your fence. Absolutely. Um, Ninjak or Ninja K. Yeah, which is it, guys? Um, number one through Valiant. Right now, three people are emailing us, letting us know. <laughs> um, this Valiant one, fans are the most like hardcore. I feel because they're like Valiant's the underdog. And yeah, they, and they have to. They, they just wanted to see them rise to the top. Absolutely. Um, so this is a, a new new series featuring the uh, British. Did you say, is it M16 or M- MI6? MI6. Let us know. It's the same person. It's the same people that are emailing <laughs> us about Ninjak. Um, so he's an M- MI6 uh, agent um, in the UK who has, has been trained by... A one secret of, ninja program. Yeah, a secret Valiant ninja comics program. are fun to talk about. It goes though. right the way back to the, uh, to the early 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we see in this... Um, this is a very dense comic. Um, yeah, a lot a, happened. A lot of backstory about the, the ninja program mm-hmm. in mi6 um we have like we basically see ninja a mm-hmm. and ninja b i think we see up to ninja ninja d, d. we don't see any ninja d though if you get what i'm saying uh, penis that's the comic i would read and um, write and draw <laughs> <laughs> um and uh yeah we we we, we catch up with ninja ninja k who is mm-hmm. the, the character of ninjak <laughs> That we that we've seen a ninja called Colin. I love it. Sorry, <laughs> uh, who is a you know a, a British agent who, unlike all of his predecessors, who have worked for Queen and Country and mm-hmm. done basically you know been been in, enlisted as, uh, as part of British British Special Forces, um, he is a a freelancer. Mm-hmm. So he charges the government colossal amounts of money to be a ninja. Good work if you can get it. Absolutely. Um, there were parts of this book that I really enjoyed and other parts that I didn't. I didn't enjoy the like, I don't know who the character is that he is in a relationship with who has a magic That is the suit. character of Livewire, who oh, we last saw go. in Secret, Wep- Secret Weapons. Oh! Who is very, very different in Secret Absolutely. Weapons. Absolutely. There you go. That's why I didn't understand. Because yeah. um, they're like really half-assed relationship, I think, just do without. Yeah. 
it's just pointless to have an, yet another like male superhero character being like, oh, I just can't, I can't commit or I can't let down my barriers. Like, boring. Yeah, I don't care. I totally agree. Let women be the ones who are unable to commit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Women are poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just a really boring subplot. Um, and I find him, like, I find another, like, male superhero who's like, oh, I just, I don't have any emotions. That's also kind of boring to me. Yeah, just no, have I, it I be totally more, with you. Just have yeah. it be more ninjas. Yeah. More ninjas. Thank and, you. And in fact, you know, we're going to review Bloodshot later on, which is the mm. little Mia written book um, coming out through Valiant at the moment. And he is the opposite. You know, yeah, totally. everything he does is so emotional. Mm. And I get that, like, you know, to be a ninja, you have to be cold. <laughs> but I, I think there are ways to do it without, like, just being a dick to a girl. Yeah, totally. Um, but being like, well, I have to have sex, so yeah. it may as well be with you on you. It's <laughs> um, gonna lie about my feelings. There were there were parts of this that I really enjoyed. I liked the idea that um, you know he he's being offered protection services mm-hmm. because there are all, all the uh, ninja agents are being picked off one by one mm-hmm. by a mysterious bad guy or bad gal, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then we see him kind of visit an older ninja member. Who may or may not be dead by the end of this. Mm. Are you going to continue reading this? I'll give it another issue. Yeah, written by Christos Gage with uh, art by Tomas Giorello, um, which is very fitting with all of the very kind of colossal painted mm. uh, artwork that that uh, Valiant's doing for Bloodshot, for Exo Man War, and now Ninjak. I can't say I live love it that much. No, it's a bit like kind of dark and muddy. Yeah, um, and which I think really works sometimes, but it's not especially. Movementy. No, totally. It doesn't doesn't look very dynamic. Yeah. When when it needs to. Yeah, but look, it's it's it, it, it's worth a check if you are uh, a, a keen on checking out some uh, Valiant stuff. If you were like, what if James Bond was a ninja? Yep. This is the book for you guys. Love it. Um, Image put out two number ones this week. Mm. Yes. They and did. normally that would be cause for celebration. <laughs> <laughs> this week, on the other hand, um, was these were two of the toughest books to get through for me. Yeah. This week. Um, the first of which is uh, uh, a pretty big deal book. This one comes out through Skybound, which is Robert Kirkman's uh, image imprint. Mm-hmm. It gives us uh, Walking Dead and uh, in uh, what's it called? The one about the superhero that's almost finished, Invincible, mm-hmm. um, as well as other books like Kill the Minotaur and um, uh, that one that we love with the that's about war in space in the future mm. with the families and they have. Oh like, yeah, what's that one called? Mm, you know the one. Do I? Um, but anyway, th- this week we got, oh, it's called, that book Extremity. I was talking about, Extremity. Yeah, cool. Uh, th- we got, this week we got a new number one called Evolution, uh, and this comes from a uh, massive creative team of mostly men, <laughs> all pretty much, yeah, just all male writers. Yep. Uh, James Asmus, Joseph Keating, Christopher Sabella, and Joshua Williamson, which is pretty enormous. That's a pretty big creative totally. team with art by Joe Infernari. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this is... I mean, I guess you could kind of call this a uh, anthology. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, a bunch of potentially interlinking stories about uh, body horror, An icky, and... icky sort of body virus thingy or something. Yeah, um, but we see three completely like at this point non-linking stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is about a surgeon who is kind of investigating a, a child who has mysterious scratches on his mm-hmm. body. The other is about a, a, a nun who witnesses um, the suicide of a monster in a church. Mm-hmm. And the most compelling story in this, I thought, just because it was like 
less about like, oh, spooky horror. Mm. This was about like actual characters that they allowed to develop somewhat throughout the issue is um, uh, two women who, one of whom is uh, basically looking through her parents' old belongings to try and find a, a film reel. Um, and uh, they, they, they witness a monster towards the end too, which was the lamest part of their story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, um, I wasn't captivated by this book at all. No, me neither. And I was like a little bit disappointed by that because I, I did really like the art and I, I quite like body horror stuff. I think that it's probably the kind of spookiness that I like. Um, but yeah, this just didn't, this was long and hard to get through and I didn't understand the point they were all making and I didn't think that the the style that they wrote it all together necessarily worked, like the way that they did that. Um, it's a bit sort of all over the place for me. Yeah, definitely. Like I think this would have been stronger if you just told like one issue with one with one group that we yeah. see and so the next issue with a, with a different writer doing the other. Although I don't know, like there, there are four writers and we see three separate stories told within this so i don't know if they're doubling up for one of them or i don't know or they're or all writing together is, like linking them yeah i don't really understand this yeah. but i didn't i didn't love it read yeah. some junjo ito if you want <laughs> body <laughs> totally. horror um are you gonna give this another shot for the second issue i might give it uh that's i'll a, give it a maybe from both it's a strong us. maybe we'll see um, what kind of week it is <laughs> uh dark fang issue one is the second Whoa. uh new number one uh through image this week this is Especially disappointing because I just felt like this had none of the polish that I expect from an image series. It also, like, it's just, it's a bizarre concept. Um, and it's, it's a bizarre concept to get sh- so soon after that one about the, the woman whose phone is hacked. Yes. Like, about, like, it was a, like a slightly spooky, sexy take on, like, technology. But also, like, vampires. Yeah, so this is Dark Fang is written by Miles Gunzer and um, Kelsey Shannon on art. Um, and Kelsey Shannon's art, I guess, is like a more Tumblr-y Michael Oeming. Yeah, or like trying to do a bit of a Bruce Tim, but without the sophistication, but uh, less sophisticated Bruce Tim vibe. Um, and this is an extremely exposition-heavy um, yes, first, first issue in which we learn the entire life of our main character, Dark Fang, as she narrates it. The entire time, yeah, um, and yet we learn nothing about her personality. No, uh, she <laughs> just she a, is very generic and broad and boring. She's a sexy vampire who starts working as a cam girl, who's able to convince uh, all the men who watch her to donate millions upon millions of dollars mm. uh, to her, and, and so she becomes rich and buys a castle. And then we Which learn was Dracula's castle. That's right. Um, and then we learn that she was used she, to live in the sea and had yeah, she a lived best underwater. friend as a shark. Um, there, I just it was they they told so much they crammed so much of this this person's story, mm. um, and it was like trying to be funny in parts and 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 failing for me in that regard too. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't the the cam girl stuff seemed really like I'm not <laughs> guys, you know me, I'm not opposed to things being like needlessly sexy but this felt really needlessly sexy like it kind of had almost nothing to do with what happened like she could have done any job to get people to give her money if, if she was just using her like sexy vampire seduction powers yeah but totally. it was just like there was no point in starting the comic like that for me um yeah and then like we, we see so much build up of like to, to you know completely tell and flesh out this this character's backstory mm. and then the the big cliffhanger is that 
she has a black mark on her one of her teeth, and that's meant to entice us to keep reading this. Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was in the yeah. next issue, she sees a dentist. <laughs> He's like, "You got to get a filling." That's the end. That's the end. But and, but she pays with a filling by um by uh, I don't know leaking nudes. Yeah, it's classic. Something like that. Twenty seventeen's crazy, everybody. <laughs> Um, so yeah, two two image books that I probably won't be reading a second yeah. issue of. Certainly yeah. not for Dark Fate, unfortunately. Um, another completely mess of a first issue, which is a shame because mm. it is written by a writer that I thought I was a fan of. Yeah. Um, Tim Seeley and uh, artist Priscilla Petrates, um gave us a uh, a book through Aftershock this week called Brilliant Trash. I just want you to explain to me God what this is God damn it, about. I was going to pull that shit on you because I have no fucking idea what happened in this book. Yeah, what? It's like obviously trying to be a superhero thing. I guess, like in a sort of like it made me think of stuff that Valiant are doing, but without any discernible plot or idea of what's going on. It's in it. you know when a um, when a creator owned property starts a series featuring an already exi- like featuring their yeah, own yeah. version of a massive superhero, like it's a superhero story that unfortunately doesn't have the weight of anything that's come before it for us to kind of be guided by. Totally, as we read and kind of tap into this new world we see this one character who has the power of spontaneous combustion or something like that um and then we see there's another like as i try to explain it a lot happens in these pages and i wasn't sure how much of it was linked or just little vignettes that are meant to all be existing in this weird world yeah uh and it's trying to also be like social media and then mainstream media terrorism like i just don't i don't understand what this was about. I think Tim Seeley has got a case of the Cullen Buns mm. that is spreading yourself too thin and writing too many comics. And unfortunately, this one is not as good as this the uh, the quality of comic that I expect from Tim Seeley. Absolutely, because Tim Seeley, like, I think he does an incredible job at like setting up really strong worlds. Because usually, I think he keeps things quite small. Like Revival, I think was an incredible series the whole way through, and it was based on like a small town, and it was a strong concept, and he really nailed that from issue one. And this was just like. A bit all over the place for me. Completely all over the place. And a very uninviting first issue too. Yeah, absolutely. Just going to beat you over the head with all these things happening. Mm, Agreed. Unfortunately, it wasn't into Brilliant Trash this week. Hey, Siobhan, speaking of Brilliant Trash, was there a new number one from DC this week that I forgot to read? There sure was. Lucky old you. We (laughs) had the final Dark Knight's Metal tie-in, The Batman Who Laughs. Did we find out why he wears that spiky thing around his head? No, we fucking didn't. The only thing I wanted to know about this shitty character... Was what, how he became like a dominatrix Batman? <laughs> well, how does he see out of that? I don't understand. This. So this was like... I'm starting to lose interest in this Dark Knights thing because it's just starting to be like... We said that about how, a month ago, by the way. <laughs> how grim can we go? And it's not fun. And I, this book made me realise one thing about the Joker, which a lot of people forget, is that he should be funny... Like, he should be horrifying. What he does is, like, horrible. But this was just, like, this Joker, like, uh, uh, like, this version, it's so stupid and annoying and complicated. So, in this alternate universe, this Joker goes so far in pushing Batman over the edge, he, like, just lines up a bunch of two parents with one child and shoots the parents in front of the child, but like hundreds of them. And this Joker goes like way, way over the top and way too far because he's about to die. I don't find that like, I think the Joker would come up with a better joke. Yeah, totally. He's called the Joker, not the fuckwit. Yeah, not the really horrible, scary guy. 
Um, and so then Batman finally kills him, but as the Joker dies, he releases some toxin from inside his heart oh that gets rid of Batman's moral compass. So it's like, what if Batman didn't didn't have justice in his interests and was like just a if he was as crazy as the Joker, but still as smart as Batman? So it's like he just takes everyone out, and it's really like grim and horrible, and he like kills all of his all the Justice League and all of the Bat family and does really horrifying things to Damien and it's just really like unpleasant. Do we learn what horrible genetic monstrosity uh, allows him to have uh, black word balloons with red text? At just one, at just some point he just gets a spooky voice. Great. Halfway through a word balloon it just like fades into spooky voice black panel when he's forcing Superman to kill John and Lois. Like, it's that level of, like, ah, just... A, that's, like, it's boring Mm -hmm. as well as just being, like, needlessly grim, I think. I understand that that's the vibe of this series, but I just thought it was, like, This is absolutely catering to, like, the teenage... Teenage boys that still think Batman is super badass. Yeah, totally. And, and the, like, 50-something-year-old men that, that wish he still was. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, the only bit that I was, like, I found kind of, like, one page of this where it was, like, the evil Batman was, like, don't you think it was weird that I collected all of these weapons? Like, Superman was, like, oh, let's destroy all of these villains' weapons. And I was, like, no, no, bring them up to the Watchtower because secretly I wanted to use them. Right. And he's like, I've thought of so many ways to kill you. I wish I could kill you again. That was kind of like, oh, yeah, like, Batman was a bad guy. He's really thought about how to kill everyone. For sure. And that kind of makes sense. But the rest of it, I was just like, I'm How does he get this. the weird psychopathic Robins? Um, it's boys. something like when the Joker dies, he releases, uh, there's like all these kids that are scary Joker kids. Oh, okay, right. All right. Something. Batman's <laughs> keeping him in a pen. So it's written by James Tinney in the fourth, um, who uh, we are I usually really like. Fan I'm a big fan. So um, I, I think this is just a bad concept. <laughs> art by Riley Rosmo, who I think is not suited to a really, really evil story. And that's what he got yeah. with the Batman and the Shadow book that he did for DC. Mm-hmm. But I, I really hope they put him on something more fun. Yeah. Because he has he such a, a fun art style. And he does a fun, big, chunky Superman, which is a thing that I appreciate. Um, but yeah, this was just uh, like... I'm sure people out there really enjoy this, but this is the kind of thing that is aggressively not for me. <laughs> uh, moving on to a couple of Dark Horse books. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I missed that. Someone said they put it in my pile. Do you want to talk about the one you missed? All right, yeah. Before we talk about Dark about Horse. Uh, Titan has a uh, great little imprint called Hard Case Crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week we got a, um, a book that was written and drawn by Cynthia Von Buhler. Cool. Um, and uh, it is called Minky Woodcock in The Girl Who Cancuffed <laughs> Houdini. Uh, I'm sad I missed this. The artwork is phenomenal. I'm actively blaming um, Scott Sheens from King's Comics because he said he put that in my pile and he didn't. Right. Um, so if you ever, want, ever wonder what Mike Allred's artwork, artwork would look like if he was on like an occult book, mm. um, that's kind of what uh, Cynthia Von Bueller's uh, artwork is like. Cool. Um, from a writing perspective, um, I, I just kind of, I could tell I wasn't super into the story that was being laid out. Mm-hmm. So I don't, can't really tell you exactly what happened. I right. just <laughs> decided to, 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 to... Turned off and looked at the pictures. Look at, look at this. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it's about a a, um, a detective who is the daughter of um, a private investigator that um, the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes based the character of Sherlock Holmes on, potentially. Okay. 
um, and uh, he wants to prove that Harry Houdini is a mystic, a, a genuine mystical figure. Ah, cool. Um, and uh, then there's like a so bunch- Arthur Conan Doyle is a character in it. Yes, that's oh, right. Cool. Um, look he at- did believe in fairies. Yeah, that's his whole vibe. Um, and then uh, they'd go to like a séance of some kind. Um, oh, this sounds like but, super up my alley. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it for you. It's got boobs. It's got oh, boobs. Got, got women forcing themselves on other women. I love that. When she eats a stocking <laughs> or pulls a stocking out of her mouth. Oh, weird. Yeah, so there's, some, there's some cool weird shit going on in here. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she meets Harry Darling at the end of this book. Is that, mm-hmm. is that a, someone that, that exists? Have Do Go On done, a, done an episode about <laughs> Harry Darling in the past? Um, oh, this is cool. Um, uh, these 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 case Kyron books are never 100% my thing, but I appreciate that they exist mm. and I always love the art on them. Yeah, cool. Um, check right, it out I'm if you out. if you like hard case crimes. Mm. Um, so Dark Horse this week put out two number ones, both of whom were uh, co-written by Mike Mignola, creator mm-hmm. of Hellboy. Um, and uh, one of them was actually a book that exists within the Hellboy universe. Um, from the pages of Hellboy, we got Rasputin, The Voice of the Dragon, number one of five, uh, a miniseries written by Mike Mignola with Chris Robertson, with art by Christopher Mitten and Dave Stewart. Of course, Dave Stewart's on this. Um, and this tells the story of, I think, the first bad guy that we see uh, Hellboy go up against in the um, in the Hellboy comics, Rasputin. Um, like this, I, I read this, and I'm, I'm the worst because I have Hellboy on my shelf, and I've just never actually read it and it's this is the kind of thing that makes me go like why am i not constantly reading hellboy because this so appeals to me yeah sure. i really enjoyed this issue yeah i think you could pick this up without reading hellboy and just like the, the atmosphere mm. and mood in this book is like yeah. very telling of what reading a regular hellboy book is like um and even though we don't really get mignol you know writing these by himself or even i, I mean i I feel like he just has like a weird idea, sends a sentence to a younger yeah. writer, and then they just write it for him. Um, but the uh, this out for me. the artwork is uh, it, it it it's it's very simplistic in the same way that Mike Mignola's artwork is, but absolutely evocative of the mood that um, you were quite accustomed to in a, in a Hellboy book. Yeah, it's so impressive the way Mignola has like he's created such a legacy for himself in that he's created this whole like visual language for a whole universe, and there's this aesthetic um, that really only comes in Hellboy books, which is so cool. Yeah, 100%. Um, my problem with these, though, is that they are very, very dense and they don't lend themselves to being read month to month, especially mm. as the excellence get delayed. Um, so I'll be waiting for this one to come out and trade and call. pick it up and read it like that. Yeah, nice. Uh, on the other side of the coin, we had a, uh, a very different tonally book mm-hmm. um, co-written by Mike Mignola and Troy Nixie with art by Troy Nixie and Dave Stewart. Um, this one is called Jenny Finn. This is something that's been available before, but this is the first time it's been coloured. Oh, right. Cool. I didn't know that either. I think that was something about Oh, I mean, anything to give Dave Stewart more work. I love Dave Stewart. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and so this is uh, a, a very strange mm, um, very book um, set in... Victorian era. That's right. Um, and uh, we have uh, a bunch of um, women of the night are murdered <laughs> by a slasher. Um, they keep calling them whores, and I was not going to describe them as whores. <laughs> um, and uh, a man kind of sends wrongly wrongly sends the a would-be attacker to his death mm-hmm. um and then becomes transfixed by a, a young kind of pretty girl who just seems to be like you know too good for this disgusting world that he's a part of mm-hmm. and so he uh follows her around and a bunch of horrendous shit happens <laughs> and there's like some scary like people turning into weird fish monsters yeah cool. so when i was younger i used to always see the dark horse books 
on the stands and I was like, oh, I might go look flick through a Dark Horse book. And I mm. swear every time I picked it up, it would be a book like this. Mm. Like, whores dying, blood, <laughs> a monster. It's like, a really <laughs> popular theme in Dark Horse yeah. books, especially anything that Frank Miller does. Yeah. Um, so I can't say this was entirely my thing, but I appreciated Troy, Troy Nixie's um, art style mm. and uh, learning that this has been like, you know, a, a newly colored book that never, ever looks good to me. Like, you know, we've, yeah, we've read yeah, so yeah. many books. I feel like IDW always do it, but they kind of make me cheap out and don't don't assign someone as good as Dave Stewart yeah, to, do totally. the, to the colouring job. The colours in this are fantastic. Absolutely. I thought that, that, that this was a new book. Yeah, it's, it's like very, very beautiful looking book for something that's so horrifying. Yeah. And if you sort of like Jack the Ripper-esque, horror-y, but it's weirdly lighthearted. and stuff. Really lighthearted. Yeah, it's but it's unsettling. Unsettling, but it's still comical edge. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that if that appeals, if you like Lovecraft, I think this is probably something that would appeal to you. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's Jenny Finn issue number one of four. Um, I might pick out check out another issue of that. Yeah, I, I did. I, I enjoyed it as something quite different to everything else I read this yeah, week. Yeah, totally. Very different. So those are the number ones. Uh, All right. First things first is over. And if you would like to discuss any of these new series with us, ask us some more questions if you weren't sated by our terrible descriptions alone. <laughs> or maybe you can disagree with us about comics that we did like. Um, maybe The Batman Who Laughs is finally the Batman for you. The best place for you to come and argue with us is on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash series issues podcast. This week, someone took me to task for not liking X-Men Gold, but in a really nice way. Oh, so that's that was very good. nice of you. Um... And uh, in a way, we're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's wrong. Uh, we also are part of the uh, Planet Broadcasting group, which mm-hmm. you can find at facebook.com slash group slash Planet Broadcasting. Uh, I'm the admin there. And uh, this, admitting this group has taken up a lot of my life this weekend, <laughs> mostly telling people that there are already 100 Justice League <laughs> and the Punisher threads and we don't need another one. You just, no one does. You know, I've, I've got a four-year-old. You know how many Justice League threads he started on Facebook? How many? 50, but that's way less than the other. (laughs) Archie's got a lot of opinions. Yeah. Um, Mostly he thought the CGI mustache was ridiculous. Why? What is that? Do I care? Am I going to see it? I don't know. It's actually like the greatest, most hilarious story Mm. In, in, in movies this year mm. because of a contractual dispute between Paramount because he is the villain in uh, the new Mission Impossible movie. Okay. Henry Cavill, who plays Superman. Oh, he's going to be a when, good villain. When Joss Whedon needed reshoots mm-hmm. for the final version of Justice League, um, that he has a moustache as a villain in Mission Impossible <laughs> and Paramount were like, fuck you, you can't shave his moustache. <laughs> so he had to wear like this weird green thing over his, over his top lip. Oh my God. And they CGI'd out his moustache. Wow. When the other way around is so much easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shave the thing off and then wear it. actually put wear, on a fake massage. Exactly. There are, there are many of them. They look fantastic. I'm very into that. Even if they don't, they look better than this weird, like... CGI top lip? Yeah, it just looks like this, like, just very strange, like, you know... That sounds weird. DreamWorks character. That's the only thing that I want to see it for now. Yeah. Also, I'm more excited about a new Mission Impossible movie than yeah. I am about Justice League. Totally. Um you should uh, like, the Justice League stuff that I liked the most about the movie, and I'll, I'll go in depth on Hey Fam this week. If you mm. uh, don't listen to Hey Fam, go check it out. Me and Angus Truscott, I did a spoiler-free review last week, which is already up now. And we're going to go in depth this week too, uh, because a big part of Hey Fam is just completely bitching about DC <laughs> movies. But um, what I liked the most about it were the um, Gal Gadot mm-hmm. as uh, Wonder Woman. I thought was really great, and especially there was an excellent Themyscira um, scene, oh, cool. which is essentially like a like an Uncharted cutscene. Mm. Like it's just like this never-ending kind of like them trying to uh, keep a, a mother box away from um, old what's his name, 
big old Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, the character that no one gave that? a fuck about to begin with, and that was that. That's the most baffling thing, as you see, like the Justice League being like, like, oh wow, that, like you know, I've hated the journey to get here, but now that they're all together, this is fun. Mm. But then they're up against like. Like one of ten DC villains that I do not give a single fuck about, and there are like DC just have great villains. So many great it's villains. So easy. Like, like so easy. Even to do. just from the same world as Steppenwolf, there are so many great villains. <laughs> yeah, way better. Like, ones. Like, there are so many other. I, don't, I know they they're planning too far ahead. They didn't want to do Dark. Well, who knows what they're going to do now? Because I, I think critically, this is this is going to go up against the you know fi- like not only do they have like reviews that are going to add to dwindling box office mm. like they had a pretty okay first weekend but like you've got star wars like a couple of weeks ago that's just going to yeah. fuck up any lasting totally. love that this movie's going to have so who knows what they're going to do I, I i feel like it's not a bad movie to me it's not a good one by yeah. any means but it's it's it, it's it's finally a step in the right direction after bvs and man of steel for me and fucking suicide squad but like i feel like they could now that they've gotten everything out of the way they could build something good using all these characters that they've built up so far. Yeah. But if they're going to be allowed to is, is, a, is a question for the future. I just hate, I hate how it looks. I know that's like... Yeah, yeah, no, shitty, I get that. But like, where's Cyborg... Uh, put him in his classic costume. I hate the Cyborg redesign. Apparently Cyborg's Give him a catchphrase leg. Give him a human leg. Booyah. Um, Was that ever a thing in the comics or is that only a thing in the animated series? I... I it's not something I would especially associate with him in the comics. Because at the end of, like, basically the, Ezra Miller, who was getting a lot of, like, people, like, he's, like, a lot of people's favorites character. Oh, I yeah. couldn't get him out of my head as Sheldon from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, hectic. And it's really, oh. really gnarly. And, like, he even, like, watches Rick and Morty at one point oh, in the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really, and, and, like, the entire time I was waiting for him to see Bazinga. And at the very end of the movie, oh, the final battle's over. It just zooms in on Cyborg, who has been completely, like, blank slate character the <laughs> entire time. And then he just goes, Booyah! <laughs> Ah. And apparently that's his like animated catchphrase. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I've heard him say it on Teen Titans Go, which is a drastically different and fun, um, yeah. silly series. But I don't that's, know. Whatever. That's the only thing I would associate with him. Very, it's very, very strange. Like mm. I mean, like at the end of the day, like Justice League are bigger than the Avengers, and they always were. Yeah. Like that was m- much more of a household name from from the from the totally. comics, from the animated stuff. You know, even. You know, people know who all the characters are from Super Friends, you know, back totally. in the day too. Just even the symbols, people know who they exactly. are. Exactly. And uh, for them to, like, f- finally do a Justice League movie and it to be, like, like honestly barely passable. Like, yeah. it's a 50, 51% for me. Yeah. <laughs> I still wish the George Miller one had happened. Yeah, I, I know. I think that would have been way I think, cooler. I think it would have been way cooler. And even if it was a misstep, I feel like there would have been so many things that would have been like, man, like, that part was so r- really yeah. rad and weird. Yeah. Just we even wrote it. It would have been... Way cooler. Yeah, right. I, I would. Yeah, I, I reckon. Is that true? I reckon George Miller could do an awesome Aquaman movie. Mm. In, and we, we should we should review it. Yeah. We are going to Aquaman this week was fucking stellar. Let's talk about yeah, comics. Let's talk yeah, about sorry. movies. What what is movies this? that I'm never every other see. podcast on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll the dice, Shimon. Okay. One to two means we're going to review Image first. Three to four means DC. Five to six means Marvel. Great. And we did four, so we all did DC first, which cool. means an Aquaman review is around the corner. Uh, and then five. So we do DC, Marvel, and finally Image, which is good because Siobhan read one Image I book read this one week. Image book. And I read like eight. I don't know how that works. <laughs> uh, let's talk about DC, and we'll, we'll, let's, let's talk positive. Yeah. Um, fucking hell, man. Batman. Well, yes. Um, yes. Joel Jones. Joel Jones. We Joel are, Jones, everyone. Yeah. So Tom King as writer with the uh, art team of Joel Jones and Geordie Belair. 
Um, I've, I've like always been a Joelle Jones fan as an artist. I never knew that she was like my ideal Batman artist. I know. Joelle Jones is the best thing that has happened to Batman in like a couple of years. Yeah. Astonishing. Like, I mean, like I wouldn't have, if you told me that she, she was doing it, I'd be like, oh, it's going to be great. But I didn't yeah. realize it would be this great. Totally. Like, totally. Her, her depictions of everyone in costume, wonderful. But her depictions of them off mask yes. and the emotions, particularly in the scenes between... Uh, Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne, mm-hmm. like just brilliant, and especially because like you know all the Robins, mm. they look exactly the same. Yeah, they- but she gave them different faces. <laughs> they look like different people, and Catwoman and Talia Al Ghul look like different people. Yeah, they don't just have different hair. Yeah, exactly. it's crazy. Yeah, um, this uh, is the finale of this arc. I'm not sure, but it's the duel with Demon's daughter. Uh, Talia Al Ghul against Catwoman. The the team, the, the, the versus fight that you never thought, expected to see or know that you wanted to see. Who um, knew we wanted these guys to sword fight? But and I loved it. Not only do they fight with uh, swords, they also fight with words. And yep. I mean, I feel like all of Tom King's Batman run so far has just been these ridiculous situations that he puts the characters through mm-hmm. because really, maybe these things aren't happening. This is just an excuse for him to explore the dynamics that make these characters tick. What's in, what goes on in their heads? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, and so if the idea of Batman and Catwoman getting married and then Batman and Catwoman trekking through the desert to find Talia al Ghul because she has someone hostage there that Catwoman needs to speak to, like, if that just sounds ridiculous to you, I feel like there's so many incredible interactions within this that mm-hmm. you completely justify how silly... This, I mean, I love a silly Batman story, Absolutely. so this is in my wheelhouse They're no matter kinds. what. But I feel like like the emotions... And this is something that, you know, you've criticised... Tom King's writing for in the past, the emotions are so grounded and realistic within these ridiculous situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, especially like like Dick and Damien, that's one of the best DC pairing, pairings. Absolutely. And it, I feel like a, like a lot of people that don't like Damien, one of the rare occasions they will like him is when he's with Dick because yeah. that actually is... A, Everything's a, a, a better ca- with Dick. That's right. Very true. <laughs> and that's also the name so of this sorry. episode. Um. <laughs> How many... That would have, I reckon that's maybe the fourth episode that we've named after... <laughs> The word dick because of just Dick Grayson. So easy. Yeah, I think we probably already have an episode because everything's better with a dick. Probably <laughs> sounds sounds about right. But like the the interactions between Catwoman and Talia Al Ghul was so fun. Like the bit where Talia is talking about how you know when she the first day that she could walk, Raz you know knocked her down with a sword and killed her and then chucked her in the pit and did it until again she and came and back and yeah. she could beat him. And then Catwoman's like, well. I'm holding my own in a sword fight against you. And this is maybe the third time I've picked up a sword. Yeah. So what's more impressive? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was sick. It was I great. Loved it. I love like, you know, whether or not Selena could have actually held her own against Talia. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care. Because I don't care. the story that we get, that we're told is so fun. Totally. And the, the, the subtle visual things that Joelle does to make her look like a cat. Yes. <laughs> like, she's got these really vivid green eyes that seem to like glow in the dark. And it just looks so beautiful. And her costume is so good. And Talia's costume is so good. And There's lots of getting stabbed in the shoulder blades. Everyone gets stabbed in the shoulder. <laughs> um, but I even liked... Uh, mm. I even liked uh, like Damien finally accepting Selena. Yeah. That was really, really cool. I was, yeah, I was all about this issue. It was probably one of my, my favourites. Alongside Fence, one of my favourites of the week. Yeah, this has been such an incredible arc. And this, I really I, honestly, like, this is like, yeah, these, these last... Five-ish issues of, of Tom King's Batman run have made it one of my favorite Batman runs I've ever read. 
Um, and uh, and everything that we're seeing in here, the seeds for it were laid in those those first few issues that everyone was like, what the fuck's going on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been thinking ahead. 100%. Great, great issue. Yes. Um, from Batman to Aquaman? Should I yeah. Aquaman. So Aquaman is this like. crazy story where it was like a, just a, not a good book <laughs> a few <laughs> issues ago. And um, they kept the same writer Mm-mm. and they added an incredible artist that has done not that much in comics, but more like, you know, a very popular um, Tumblr artist. Um, the artist is uh, Stepshan Sejic um, and the uh, writer is Dan Abnett. Um, and I don't know, maybe there was an editorial change as well or something. I don't know, but this book is just... Phenomenal. It, it reads like an image book that happens yeah. to tie into the DC universe. Which is all I want. It's this fantastic <laughs> like combination of, of underwater magic stuff and yeah. like... and Swords and sorcery sort of vibe. And evil empires mm-hmm. and like, you know, overthrowing the evil king and yes. all that kind of stuff. The return to glory for Aquaman. Yes. It's got everything for an incredible adventure comic and... I just feel like nothing ever bogs this book down. It just always just pushes forward with this great pace. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like I've never read an Aquaman book like this before. And Agreed. After seeing, like, I know a lot of people love him because um, Jason Momoa is a legend. and But his his depiction of, or what maybe the lines that were written for him, which are just mostly like a combination of him saying, my man, and <laughs> yeah, um, that's not Aquaman. It's not really Aquaman, is it? Um he is like he, he is like this. There is a, like there are some characters that work as deathly serious mm. heroes, and Aquaman is totally one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either regal or like, if you're going to go the funny route, go like. Did you ever watch the Batman Brave and the Bold yes, series? I, loved I that. love that depiction of Aquaman. He's Absolutely. like he really pompous. So exactly pompous. You know that, that he's a king. Exactly. And, or chop his hand off, give him a harpoon, make him a crazy man of the sea. Perfect. But this, like, I think that this is so appealing because I've wanted an Aquaman book that builds Atlantis into something Mm -hmm. that is interesting. It's never really been interesting to me before. And this is, like, a book that's mostly about, like, political struggle. But the, like, visual style that Cedric, however you say his name, has developed for this is so lush and beautiful and well-rounded. It's incredible. Is this King Shark the same as King Shark? Or is it a different King Shark? I don't know. This King Shark is a hammerhead. Yeah. He looks cool. Looks cool. Um, yeah, look, this is one of my favorite books now. It's so good. It's and, so good. And the writing is excellent. Like yeah. it's just it's not just the art that's made this that's improved this so much now. Like, you know, that the the the, the shock of seeing this art is is wearing off now. It's like mm. it's just very competent and I and I love it. Mm, but absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the the writing is it, it's it's got chops and this book is yeah, I, I think this is finally an Aquaman book that I've enjoyed for longer than, you know. Two issues. A couple issues, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that this and Batman are such good examples of a new artist coming on and just totally changing a whole book and making it something really special. Not that I wasn't enjoying Tom King's book before, yep. but um, Joel Jones on the book just makes it something incredible. Did you see, we've got, I think we've got one more issue with Joel Jones and then we get Clay Man on, uh, on Batman, which is really Clay exciting. Man. Do you know Clay Man? Um, I just know him as a funny name that I see on good books. He's a good artist. Yeah. But it's like so Superman's going to be a character in, in the Batman books. Okay. Speaking of which, Superman, issue number 35 came out this week. Patrick Gleason and Peter Tomasi wrote this book um, with uh, art by Travis Moore, Stephen Segovia, and Art Thibbert, and colors by Danae Rubiero. Um, why do I keep reading this and just doing know, this to myself? Same. I just get really bummed out reading this, thinking about how good it used to be and just how like by the numbers it is now. Yeah. like This reads like a tie-in. And it also has... Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely how it reads. It... I really don't enjoy this. Halfway through, the art changed. I have no idea who 
No. It changed to, but I liked it more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's being written by an artist. Right, okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't... It is, it's a bummer that, that, the, that the art on the book written by the artist, it doesn't match what I want, what that artist is capable of. And it's almost like there's three stories happening in this book. There's the what's going on with Superman and Lex, what's going on with Lois, and what's going on with John. And they're all stranded in an apocalypse. And none of them are getting, I feel, enough. I don't feel like any of those arcs are being explored enough or well. Yeah, it reads like an issue of Commandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where it just kind of feels like, oh shit, a new a new creative team's come on. They've, they've got to like fill in the gaps of all the weird things that were introduced at the end of last issue. Yeah. And then there's a cliffhanger at the end. Yeah. Yeah, this just isn't a very appealing series at the moment, unfortunately. What happened, Peter Tomasi? What happened, guys? Is everything okay? We're worried about you. Call me. <laughs> um, Super Sons, on the other hand, written by Peter Tomasi. Again, uh, with art on this one by uh, a new artist, um, Jose Luis. Um, not quite as good as uh, Jorge um, Jimenez. Jimenez, but um, not not far behind either. I, re- I really enjoy his depictions of of, uh, of Damien and John. Mm. Um, colors by Scott Hanna on this one. The dynamics of the two boys and their fathers. That's why I read this book. Yeah, that's why I like this book. Totally. I don't understand why we're still like giving them like ridiculous kind of. Like there's a there's a glimpse forward into the future or something at the, at one point in this in which we see like another the evil Damien evil, yeah evil Damien evil future Damien like I know that's a part of Damien's not even backstory yeah. but a part of like you know the character yeah it doesn't belong in this book same as like totally. the the off world weird shit that we saw in the last arc and like I I just want them you can do small scale adventures for these guys almost indefinitely and it would be hundred percent I don't and need an ongoing plot I really this. don't I just need like. Just need them... Monster of the Week. Yeah, exactly. And then... Or not even Monster of the Week. It's every week they yeah, like yeah. thwart the, the Penguin's plans or something. Totally. Really, really low scale And like then that. they go to school and then they fight. Well, that is the best thing to come out of this issue yeah. is that they're now going like... Uh, they have a headquarters. Bruce, Bruce is sending them to, to, to school. So they are, they're definitely building the, the, uh, the, the backbone of a, of a good series here. But just get to it. I don't need this much setup. Yeah, totally. Just have them already enrolled at school. Yeah, totally. Have them have a, you know... Do things more efficiently. Their their um, headquarters is under the sea in this like weird, like just Abandoned collection base. of trains. <laughs> instead of walls, they just have like a bunch of trains. That's cool. <laughs> Pretty fun stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, look, this is a, a big improvement on that last arc for sure. Yeah. And hopefully we'll build to something very, very fun. Agreed. But Tomasi writes both these characters so well and so lovingly. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's why I can just, I'll always read what he, what he does with these, with these characters. I just hope that the story is as good as the uh, dialogue. Yeah, same. Um, Trinity this week uh, is the finale of this kind of weird arc called Dark Destiny in which the Trinity of Wonder Woman, uh, Superman and Batman um, works alongside the Dark Trinity of um, Constantine, Zatanna and somebody else. A dead, dead man. Dead man. Um, plus the, uh, the sidekick trilogy of Red Hood, um, Artemis and uh, Bizarro against... The would-be evil trinity of Lex Luthor, Cersei, and Rachel Ghul. Good lord! Exhausting, yes, but it's written by Rob Williams, who, um, when I when I enjoyed him the most on Suicide Squad, which I've sadly dropped in the last few months, um, was when he was just balancing so many different characters mm. in the DC universe, and that's what this art was. It was, you know, forgettable fun, but fun all the same. That's good. And now it's over. 
Hey, all right. Um, Forever is like the series done or just that arc? I don't know. It, it, it seems like it could just be like that's the end. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? I, I don't read solicitations because I'm too busy reading comics. Yeah. Uh, Injustice 2 this week um, was uh, The Trial of Bruce Wayne. This is the uh, book that ties into the video game written by Tom Taylor with uh, rotating artists for each issue. But um, always good. Like like that classic DC house style that I feel like they don't really have anymore. Mm. <laughs> like every, I think I like this because every issue looks like an issue of 52. Mm. Um, and and contains all, pretty much all the same characters too. Uh, uh, pencils on this one by Daniel Samper with um, inks by Juan Albaran and colors by Rex Locus. They're all very good of names too, by the way. Very good names. Um, so uh, Bruce Wayne is taken to trial after like the president has been killed by um, the son of Aquaman who like tidal waved uh, oh. the president's address. Um, this world, is, this world is fucking crazy because, because Ray Shuggle told him to do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but this has like, Plastic Man, Blue Beetle, um, Booster Gold shows up. Great. Uh, it just has like everything I want out of like a big celebration of the DC universe. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's in- insanely fun. Nice. One day you should read it, Siobhan. One day. It, I think you would really get a kick out of it. It's like, you know what it is? It's, we complain about that, that um, what's it called? Dark Knight's Metal goes too far and like, this is the evil version. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, these are just bad versions. Right, of like, okay, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's that, you know, they had one bad day and it turned them into a villain right. or like they, they're a bit stronger in their opinions that of gray areas. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And they're heroes, so mm. it turns them into villains. Um, yeah, it's almost like just having a bit more freedom that it doesn't really matter if he kills these characters off. Yeah, exactly. Um, at the very end, though, at this issue, the final page is the reveal of Brother Eye, which Ugh, would have been more great. like more of an impact had Brother, Brother Eye not just been a last page reveal in a recent issue of mm. Detective Comics. But what can you do? Still good. Um, Still love a bit of Brother Eye. Definitely. Um, finally, from DC this week, we get the... Um, what number is this? Number Nine. ninth issue of The Wild Storm, written by Warren Ellis with John Davis Hunt and Steve Bucciolato on art. I think it's Bucciolato. Probably. That sounds like a delicious beverage. That does sound delicious. Bucciolato. Um, man, John Davis Hunt just continues to like 
blow me away with every issue of this series. I think he's so great. Totally. And like, you know, every issue it introduces the characters that I think maybe I've met before, but maybe I haven't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like it's, you could read each of these as like one shots kind of, um, they're almost written like that. Yeah. Um, and still get a kick out of it. Um, th- there's a tremendous action scene in this in which uh, a character that I don't know at all um, dispatches of a bunch of samurais with a sword yep. in uh, incredibly gruesome and fun ways. Uh, um, and uh, I think that this is, book is so great because I think that if you're a fan of Wildstorm, you can get a lot out of this, but also if you aren't super familiar with the characters in the world, like I... You know, I know of Grifter, but that's about as far as my knowledge goes. Yeah, I've just read like the authority. I've read, I've read everything else Warren Ellis did for, for that. Um, it's really easy to follow. Well, not easy, but it's really enjoyable to follow what's going on. And I think that if you're a new fan, you can get a lot out of this as well as if you're someone who's familiar. Yeah, with it really that. introduces you to all the characters in like a captivating way, and just and everyone sounds like a Warren Ellis character. But if you like that, that's cool. Yeah, totally. I really enjoy that. Exactly. I like his voice. I yep. think it's funny. So um, I'm really on board with this. Yeah, great issue of Wildstorm this week. Um, just I, I love it when when Warren Ellis. I, I think I'm, I'm sure it's because Warren Ellis right, but apparently I don't know if if you if you listen to other artists when they talk about him, Warren Ellis isn't a very like super descriptive panel by panel writer. Mm. But there's no way like I mean these action scenes are so well put together. Yeah, I don't know they must be intricately written. Donezon is a great artist, but like come on, gosh, that's a good that's the, that's some good fighting scenes. Sh- yeah, really incredible. Yeah, such fun, such fun, like, um, just pure samurai stuff in this issue. Mm-hmm. Real good. So those are our DC reviews, meaning we can now move on to Marvel, and I think Marvel had a pretty good week this week. Yeah, it was a pretty solid week. Um, I did read some trash, though. Yeah, there's a few trash things. So that's a, yeah, the, 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 the good was good, the bad was not. Yeah. <laughs> the bad was bad, I mean. Yes. Yeah. Um, but let's start, kick off with uh, a few new legacy titles that started. Um, we get Donny Cates finally taking over. I feel like it was announced like a year ago that he was taking over Doctor Strange totally. after Jason Aaron. Uh, and then we finally get the first issue. However, it's not number one. It's number 381. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Donny Cates with art by Gabrielle Hernandez-Walter, who uh, we last saw on... Oh, I mean, we, we also saw him on that... Um, what was that? Occupy Avengers book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the final arc of that. God, I still good. really liked that. I feel like it got cancelled before. Yeah. Really hit its stride. Geordie Belair on colours. Um, and uh, this uh, kind of jumps us forward in time from when we last saw Doctor Strange. And he is no longer the Sorcerer Supreme. He mm. is a vet. Mm. And instead, the Sorcerer Supreme is Loki. Everyone's favourite bad guy, Loki. Um, although this is Loki trying to be good just because. And I yeah. feel like that's all the motivation Loki needs. Totally. And yeah. he'll probably turn around and be like, nah, joking. Yeah, yeah. Like 10 issues. Trick you. It's great. <laughs> I'm the trickster guy that got you again. <laughs> You guys always fall for this. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this issue. This was yeah. great fun. I think a really lo- good. A lot of it, like there, there is a lot of exposition, especially from Loki, yeah. that normally I would have cringed at. But instead, I'm like, oh yeah, Gabriel Hernandez Walter is the best, and yeah. I just love this art so much. So I just, I, you know, took t- took turns of reading a, a word balloon and just looking at looking deep into Loki's eyes. Absolutely, and I feel like. Um, Donny Cates is doing a really great job of playing with the world that Jason Aaron left him in. So he's not, he's changing things, but it still follows on really smoothly from there. You know, we've still got Zelma. We've still got yep. the, the um, repercussions of what's just happened to Doctor Strange playing out in this. And I like the way he writes Loki. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought I think it was really cool. And I, I do love it when a comic book just jumps forward and doesn't tell you how something happened. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that this is a much stronger way of, doing that than actually showing us what happens. Absolutely. Um, you know, that, that would have been a bummer to finish Jason Aaron's run and then see everything getting undone. 
mm. uh, for Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more fun just to have it be undone and, you know, we'll, we'll eventually find out why. Yeah, totally. That's a, a very cool first issue. Yeah, I think it really, really worked. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I would happily just read an issue of Doctor Strange saving pets totally. that he can talk to. He even yeah. gets described as Doctor Doolittle. Yeah. Although I love, like, he does not look like Doctor Strange at the end of this book at all. Yeah, totally. He's, like, got a shorter hair and he's got a beard and he's wearing glasses. He looks he's like, like I'm a White. vet now, guys. Yeah. Like, I've, I'm retired. I'm not the Sorcerer Supreme anymore. It's <laughs> cool. Um, actually, reminds me, the art reminds me less of the vision and more of... Um, uh, Gabriel Walter and Belair's art on that Magneto run that Cullen Bunn, right? Yes. Which is still to date my favourite thing Cullen Bunn's ever written. Yes, absolutely. Um, and actually saying Walter White reminded me of it because it was kind of like, what if Magneto did the Breaking Bad thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Not the selling drugs thing, the like going after bad people. Actually, it's not, I don't, I, that's not what Breaking Bad was about at all. Living in a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he lived in a thing. <laughs> um, so another uh, new creator taking over a big title was... 218, issue 218 of The Punisher. I feel like there's way more issues of The Punisher than that in existence, but I don't know, whatever. Uh, This one is written by Matt Rosenberg um, with art by, oh boy, you want to take a stab at this? Guiu. Guiu Villanova. Villanova. Uh, With colors by Lee Lurridge. Um, And uh, this uh, sees. Uh, after like a you know classic by the numbers takedown of uh, a bunch of bad guys at the start of the issue, we see um, uh, none other than Nick Fury Jr. Um, surprise Frank Castle in his van, which he points out doesn't have a toilet. So how does he piss? Um, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Um, and uh, they go and get soup. Yeah, they go and get soup, and he he basically tells him to go and steal the War Machine armor. Mm-hmm. Um, because S.H.I.E.L.D. is no more and all of uh, Nick Fury Jr.'s assets have been given to uh, different companies and government agencies. Um, and so now I guess we're going to have Frank Castle in the War Machine armor, which sounds like it could be terrible, but I think in the hands of Matt Rosenberg, it will be good. Yeah, I really like the way that he set this up. I like the way that um, I like his Frank. I like the way he used Nick Fury Jr. Yep. I thought that that was really good fun. Um, yeah, I'm on board with this. I think he'll, I think he'll be a good voice for it. Mm. Me too. I think um, look, we, we were both big fans of um, uh, what's her name, Becky Cloonan's uh, mm-hmm. Punisher run. Yeah. Um, which was very different. This was a very simple, fun yeah. Punisher story. Um, that still felt quite new. Mm. Um, it, it wasn't ne- like needlessly dreaded. Yeah, absolutely. The, the whole way through, but this is this isn't either. No. This is like this is just a different kind of fun on the Punisher. And it looks great. It's more of a superhero take, I guess. Definitely, and which is like I thought. You know, normally Marvel are like, okay, the Netflix thing is out. We've got to do something that's almost exactly like the Netflix thing. And like, I'm not going to watch the Punisher series. I know how like mm. how dreary and grim that's going to be. Yeah, and uh, like they do do a good job of making him look like John Berenthal. or whatever. But, his but name is. yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is what, way more fun and superhero-y than that that Netflix series would ever get. Totally. And that's what comics should always be. Nick Fury Jr. projects something out of his eyeball. That's yeah. cool. That's a, you're okay with that, but I, yeah, I really liked this use of his um, eye patch and eye. I wish it was pink. <laughs> I liked that about that was the best thing about that series. Pink eye patch, Nick Fury. Um, so yeah, cool issue, um, and definitely a series. Both these series, I'm looking forward to reading more issues of. Agreed. Um, do we have any legacy legacy new startings this week? Um, oh, we got a really strange and funny one that we can talk about, um, and that is um, not brand ech. Yeah. Did you read that? I did. Um, so this is like a comedy book. Um, featuring Forbushman, which is the name of the character that I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. the guy who wears a pot on his head, and on the front cover of this, he and other superheroes are dabbing. 
It's great. Which is hilarious and just proves that Marvel still know what the kids like. It's never going to date, guys. Never. Um, and so this is like an anth- a comedy anthology um, that is extremely meta and self-aware. Um, so much so that the first story is um, just called Secret Empire Abridged. And and it's written it's, by Nick Spencer. Yeah, with art by Scott Coblish and colors by Nick Filardi. And uh, is like just Nick Spencer kind of taking the piss out of himself and out yep. of Secret Empire, um, which I thought was mostly funny. Yeah, like, mostly funny. Some things a bit too on the nose, but... Um, some things a little bit too like, you got your feelings hurt a little bit, Nick Spencer. Yeah, but also <laughs> but like... like people were really horrible to him. Anyway. Yeah, uh, but poking fun at this... I mean, the, poking fun at all the dumber parts of the story. Yeah. Um, which I thought... And, and and there are like little moments in this, like um, Hickman did these better. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. Funny little moments like that. Like you know, I think if you especially hated Secret Empire or you especially loved Secret Empire, I can see you having a problem with this. But if you're like me and Siobhan and just thought it was fine, then this is uh, this is perfect. <laughs> this is also fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, then we get some extremely skippable uh, little one one pages of Four Bushman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a kind of okay Gwenpool Katie series. Cook uh, Spider-Man book uh, story. Let's just skip to the... Um, oh, the Gwenpool thing was kind of funny. Yeah, of just funny. like Gwenpool combining with different superheroes and making Marvel more and more money. Um, but the best thing in yeah, this... I did like all the stuff where it's like all the Marvel <laughs> executives are like wearing top hats and like... Yep. Yeah. Um, the best thing in this Easily. is... Easily. Oh my gosh. Ryan North and uh, Erica Henderson, uh, the team behind The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, doing a... Um, like a basically, Squirrel Girl and Tippy Toe have made a um, a dating service for like supervillains. Yep. Um, and we see Fing Fang Foom and Ratos Ratatoska, the cosmic tier Asgardian squirrel, going on a date. Yep. And making out. <laughs> and then um, we see the profiles of Thanos, Mole Man, Ego, the Living Planet, and Ultron. And there's just lots of great chuckles all the way through it. So funny. So funny. God, yep. they. Ryan North is so hilarious. He's so great. And I also, I did enjoy the um, the next issue page from Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, some great classic Chip Zdarsky jokes of, about Marvel. So yeah, if you uh, if you like Marvel, but you also like a Marvel that takes the piss out of itself sometimes, which is, you know, pretty rare for a comic book company to do. Um, Absolutely. Not, not like, you know, less than 50% of the jokes in this actually landed, but um, yeah. the good ones were good. Yeah, it's no, like, um, is it Strange Tales? That series, yeah, but that was was that really a comedy book? That was like just like a weird indie creators like doing parody. Yeah, yeah, that, those are great. Those collections are really worth. Yeah, they're up. really funny. The Kate Beaton ones are just incredible. Yeah, so good. Um, so what do you want to talk about next? The good or the bad or whatever? I mean, I feel like I have a bunch of like pretty average things left. Um, what about the Mighty Thor number seven hundred and one? That was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. I thought this is a really really great issue featuring James Harron and Dave Stewart on mm-hmm. art, um, and. Uh, it's all about Mangog. Mangog, the uh, most one of the most Kirby creations of, that it was ever created. Yeah, uh, God killer character with a scary, scary face and little hoofs. Big tail. Big tail. Um, and this is mostly a fight between him and the Warthor, mm-hmm. um, who Volstag, who we see just bitten, bit, beat to a bloody pulp. Yeah, that last that final <coughs> page did make break my heart. Yep. When you see, oh man, that that is the bit. That's the one panel that I like. I can't look at it without feeling sad. Yeah, totally. When he Warthor transforms back into the the cuddly circular Volstag that we all know and love, and man, yeah, that, he's, that made me sad. He's he's extremely beaten half to death. Um, we also uh, get reunited with a character we haven't seen in a Thor book in a long time, and that is Boulder, the other 
um, brother of mm-hmm. Thor and Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Balder died some way through Straczynski's run. Um, and uh, it, now we learn that he is like the king of hell or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought that was really, really cool. I basically just want to just shout out James Harron art in this book was Beautiful. so much fun. Really cool. Um, and just like the reveal of Malekith at the end was uh, was really, really creepy and cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, just another great issue of, uh, of one of my favorite runs. Just continues to of be all excellent. Time. Really yeah. excellent series. I'm so glad it's still continuing. Agreed. I hope it continues for a long, long time. I, I, it's clear that Jason Aaron is just in love with this universe. Yeah. So He's I just hope, having I hope so he, much fun. Yeah, exactly. I hope I this he, is I hope the only thing he it. does at Marvel. Great. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also enjoyed the second issue of uh, Deadpool versus Old Man Logan. Yep. The versus is extremely redundant because they t- they teamed up within half half of last issue. Mm. Um, this is written by Declan Shalvey with art by um, Mike Henderson, colors by Lee Luridge, and um, Declan Shalvey proving that he can do a good adventure story and also do great comedy, like extremely yeah. like you know like very occasionally annoying Deadpool, but mostly like pretty damn funny. Yeah, totally. Um, as they uh, he and Old Man Logan kind of team up to try and save this girl who doesn't want to be saved. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty by the numbers X Men story, but it's told funny, and um, the uh, the art is really cool and dynamic. Yeah, it looks like, great. Yeah, there's 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 some there's some great moments throughout this this book, and the covers are awesome. Of course, they are. I think he Declan Shelby might be my favorite cover artist working at the moment. Definitely, he does some of the most distinctive and fun covers. Yeah, I'm trying to find other ones that I really liked this week. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, issue number one hundred and forty seven. Um, the Infinity Quest continues, written by Jerry Tuggan with Jerry Duggan with Marcus Toe on art, colors by Ian Ian Herrig, and we see uh, Ant Man uh, in his attempts to be a, both a guardian of the galaxy and a Nova agent because they've been recruited to um, be undercover Nova agents. In this, um, we see Peter Quill and Star Lord reunited, and uh, cool. Star Lord is extremely angry that he hasn't gotten in touch with him after uh, since returning yet. Um, and uh, wait, hang on, Peter Quill and Star Lord? Is that what you said? No, Wait, Peter Quill. Nova. Sorry, Peter Quill and Richard Ryder. There we go. They get reunited for the first time since the end of the Thanos Imperative, the end of the uh, Lanning and uh, Abnett run. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- that's really really fun. And there's a bunch of new Nova Corps that we we're introduced to. They're building some cool stuff here. Yeah, it's cool. really really good. And at the very end, there's an enormous Infinity Stone. Cool. Like enormous. Wow, that's huge. <clears throat> you can't fit that in a in a. In You're a, gonna um, need a bigger glove. A bigger gauntlet. Yeah. Fun stuff. Um, that might be it for Marvel books that I really liked this week. I uh, is- oh, read. Wait. Uh, yeah, you, you uh, go. I was just going to say I read issue twelve of Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye series with a slightly <laughs> different artist. We got Michael Walsh um, on this with colors still by the excellent Jordi Belair. This is a team up between um, Kate Bishop Hawkeye and Wolverine, as in X twenty three Laura um, Kinney and Gabby teaming up um, to take down some clones. Some Fun. Weird clone shit, but really good fun. That was like, I, I enjoyed this much more than I was expecting. I didn't, I missed um, the regular series artist, but um, I think that Laura and Gabby are such a fun addition to addition, yeah. Um And they really worked in this, and it was really, really, really good fun issue and a really good fun series. And um, we're now going to see Clint and Katie back together. Right. They both have a mission. They each have a mission that they need the others help on. So I think that's going to be really good fun. I just love how purple this book is. So purple and it's so <laughs> consistently 
really good fun. I really enjoy this book. Someone at Queens of Kings described it as like the only thing she really enjoys at Marvel at the moment. Yeah, right. I think it's uh, I think it's a slept on series. That yeah, I need it. I need to catch up. It's a good fun one. Um, I actually really enjoyed issue number seven of the Defenders this week. Um, the uh, book written by DC's Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> Uh, featuring Still so weird. Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. You may have seen them in the TV show. This is way more fun than the TV show. Um, it features the first fight ever between Elektra and Iron Fist. I know this because um, Elektra says, hello, Mr. Rand. And then Iron Fist says, have we met before? She says, many times. He says, I thought so. Have we fought each other? Surprisingly, no. That is surprising. <laughs> and then they fight. <laughs> and it is such a good well-laid-out, oh, cool. amazing action scene, just showing That's amazing. how great David Marquez is as an artist. Beautiful. It goes, it's like pages upon pages of fighting. Great. Um, and then, meanwhile, we learn more about Diamondback, um, who is kind of like the main villain of this. Um, a, uh, a very well-known Marvel henchman mm-hmm. is killed. No. Yeah, which is somewhat surprisingly. I don't know how long he'll be dead for. Um, and uh, finally, we have like a fight between Deadpool and the Punisher for some reason at the end. But was, Why not? It was fun. It's really fun. Cool. It's a really, really fun book. And I think it's really grown into something good that I hope Bendis is able to finish, you know, to somewhat of a satisfying end for Marquez's sake more than anyone's yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, 12 issues at the very least. Please, Bendis. Please, DC's Bendis. When is Bendis going to DC? Um... I don't know. I'm interested to see. Um, yeah, how, what 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 gets affected? Mm, what he does. Anyway, totally. Um, let's talk about X Men Blue. It's, I read it. This arc is. Why finished, did I do that? Done. Yeah, like this was Mojo Worldwide is over. I I literally just like skipped through this because it was so boring. Yeah, and I, so dumb and so just like wrapping things up. And then it's not even fucking finished. Mojo's gonna be doing some more stupid annoying shit because now he lives in New York. Annoying. Okay, Marvel, Marvel writers, if you're listening, please place uh, your right hand over your heart and your other hand in the, in, next to your head in, your, in the air and say mm-hmm. after me, I, Marvel writer, promise not, to use, <laughs> <laughs> promise not to use Mojo in a book for at least 12, 12 months. 12 months. Minimum. So, so solemnly swear, etc. Yeah, he can appear on a Christmas special. I, I love it. I'm all right with that. He can be, a, well, no, he can go on Gwenpool. Yeah, put him on he Gwen belongs Pool. in Gwenpool. Absolutely. Actually, and I would, I wouldn't mind a Squirrel Girl Mojo story. That yes, that yeah. would be interesting. Like when a comedy co- character is in a comedy book, that works. But when Mo- Mojo's just too goofy to be in a serious yeah X book, it's also just like this arc was six issues of Mojo. I think that the X Men are going to take an interesting turn. I'm really excited to see Ed Pisker's take. On Fuck yeah, man! How good is that? X Men. I'm really keen for that. Is that but is that going to be canon or is it going to be like tales? I think told it's, no, I think it's a main main universe series. There's going to be a couple of different new X Men series. There's like X Men Red and then a Phoenix book. Yeah, there's a team with um with Gabby and um and Laura on it. Cool. Um, Might be Red. So I'm interested to see the next. They're just going to keep churning through different teams until they find something that actually works. Until they've named X-Men teams after all the Pokemon games. Yes. Can't wait for uh, X-Men Soul Silver. Yeah, nice. Coming out very soon. And then we'll get X-Men Mystery Dungeon. Yes. I think I made that joke like like a year ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Just continues. (laughs) They're never getting it right. Um, I forgot to read Secret Warriors this week. I think I did. I'm too. behind on this book. I need to catch did up. Did you actually read this? I like Rosenberg. I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll, oh, and they've got Garen on. Okay, sweet. Javier Garon's still doing uh, with Will Robinson. Okay, cool. All right, uh, uh, I did read it, but it was. I clearly was pretty bored by it. I just don't think anyone else gets Moon Girl right. I think everyone should just leave the. Keep their mitts off her. Yeah, that's true. Frankly? Yep. And I find this team less and less interesting. Um, so, Spider Man 2 
the uh, Spider event that's still going. Um, issue number four came out of this, written by Brian Bendis with art by Sarah Pacelli. Um, and uh, this is like telling us about who the 616 universe's Miles Morales is, which would have been way more effective um, if it happened before Miles Morales was now in the permanently moved to the 616 universe. Whatever, what can you do? Um, he's like a mobster that um, has close connection to Kingpin. The only person that gets anything out of this book existing is Kingpin, the growth that we see for the character in here. I forget that Bendis actually writes a really good Kingpin. Um, in fact, that was like the first thing of his in Marvel I ever read, which mm. was when he did the that awesome Kingpin dying in uh, his Daredevil run, the start. Yeah, right. um, but uh, yeah, I um, this is an extremely unnecessary book. But there's one more issue left, so I'm going to read it. There's so many Spider-Man books. I read um, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, yep. issue 297, um, Most Wanted Part 1, which is the Chip Zdarsky book with art by Adam Cubitt with Juan Frigeri, colors by Jason Keith. Like, this book annoys me because there's so much potential and I feel like it just doesn't... None of it pays off. Mm. Um, like, in the last issue, we saw Peter finally reveal himself to... <coughs> J. Jonah Jameson. That should be huge. Um, but it just kind of... I mean, half of this is like a really boring fight scene taking place, I think, in Peter's home as he's trying to find his sister, Teresa, and he's being hunted by sort of the army or something. And then at the end, J. Jonah Jameson shows up to like save him. I was like, cool, are we going to get like a buddy cop kind of vibe? But it just continues to be like really grim and like kind of boring yeah right i Weird. find that really disappointing because i would have thought that zadarsky would be like a perfect fit for spider-man but yeah. i just I, I don't know what it is i just don't quite enjoy it how did uh the amazing spider-man fare this week um i realized i didn't read it but yeah, i right. like Stuart eminem i have an idea he draws for great hair for like because i feel like it's not that, that, that there's way too many spider books he's in way too many books mm. and there's just a sameness with every story you know yeah. it's like oh cool this new thing will be great but it's still the same characters it's still so new york centric how yeah. good would it be if he's like oh my god all the problems that i have with the world are new york's fault yeah i need to leave new york and guess where he moves where does he move london spider-man in london and then, like, celebrating all of, like, the weird British superheroes as, like, the most well-known American superhero tries yeah. to fit in in London. That was actually fun. Yeah. That's, that's, that's thought of that just then. I, I would read the fuck out of that. Mostly just because Captain Britain's in it. Yeah. He's, like, the main character. I like, love Captain Britain. And he kills Spider-Man. Sounds and then good. And he, he drinks him in a cup of tea. Mm. Mm, he dips a scotch that, finger biscuit in it. Is that what... The British people do that? Yeah. But is that what, is that what Captain Britain does? Yeah, he kills people and then <laughs> he, he drinks, drinks them in their tea. tea. Haven't you ever read a Captain Britain book? No. <laughs> Sounds good. I think I, I don't know, and I feel like if you like, I, you could even keep Slot involved because Slot's are clearly a massive Doctor Who fan. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Make it British. Make it British. Move Make Spider Man British again. Yep. Um, moving to British. Moving <laughs> to British. <laughs> um, I read two more Marvel books: uh, Black Panther Prelude, the Prelude for the movie. Oh, yeah, you said this written was by good. Will Corona Pilgrim, with art by Anna Paola Martello, and colors by Jordan Boyd. It's not necessarily good. It's just like this, like very, very simple story of mm. Black Panther learning to be Black Panther uh, while his father's still alive before the events of the Civil War movie. Cool. Um, and I appreciated them writing new material for the cinematic universe, and I think that should be applauded yeah, instead nice. of them just kind of recapturing what happened in previous uh, Marvel movies because that's not a good that's not a good use of your writer's time. That's Marvel. not interesting. No one wants no. that. So, uh, like, it, it was an immensely satisfying ending. Wasn't one, sorry. Um, and uh, but it was, uh, it was kind of just cool seeing th- this take on Black Panther and how we're going to see him in the movie. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, finally, I read Darth Vader, issue number eight, written by Charles Soule, with art by Giuseppe Carmicoli, doing such good art. And I don't understand how you can have <coughs> an artist who does such incredible cartooning as Carmicoli on a Star Wars book. Like the the like the emotion that he's able to convey in like these like super like awesome looking characters Great. without doing like the kind of like super photo referential realistic look that we're getting in the regular Star Wars book why don't surely they're like oh this is way better let's just do this instead this is what a comic should look like whatever um, Darth Vader is uh, is He's, you know, he's, he's known as... He, I think it would be really funny if when Salvador Larocca finished an issue, he's like, no, oh, this isn't what a comic book is supposed to look like. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I've missed the I've mark. I've done so many of these. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, Darth Vader's been... He's, he's killed almost every Jedi in the universe. Uh, but there is one who has, like, basically the, the knowledge of all the Jedi and the Sith um, in her library. Um, and uh, he's been told to protect her for the Emperor because the Emperor wants to get all the information out of her. Um, and we learn more about this character. She just seems so great, and and even though she's dedicated her whole life to like to making sure the 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 legacy and the the history of the Jedi is protected, she can't resist a fight. Mm, um, cool. And uh, Darth Vader's like you know that there's a, there's a um, there's an intruder that he gets alerted to, um, and uh, all of the um, officers that have been put in charge of like you know trying to investigate. Um, the intrusion um, have kind of just written it off as just like a regular bomb. And then Darth Vader's like, no, it's something more. And he, there's like debris of all this like explosion, like, you know, in this place that they, that they blow up, that, that there was a, an explosion in and Darth Vader piece, like uses the force to piece together the, um, the aircraft that exploded and cool. finds out that it indeed belonged to a Jedi. Cool. That was a really, really cool use of the force. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Um, this is a great, great series. Really enjoy it. Nice one. Charles soul. Um, so those are it. Those are all of our Marvel reviews for the week, which means that Siobhan can now review the one image book she read this week. One image book. What Kill is it? Kill the Minotaur. Kill the Minotaur. Um, the Skybound book written by uh, Chris Passetto and Christian Cantamessa, with art by Lucas Kettner, colors by Jean Francois Bellou. 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 Um, so this is the final issue of this six-issue miniseries retelling the classic. Um, Homer tale of Theseus versus the Minotaur. Yep. Um, but with like a cool kind of sci-fi edge as well as being super gory and horrifying. Yeah, totally. I flippin' loved this whole series. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what this these and creators do next. This is body horror done right too. Because like you can tell the Minotaur doesn't really like being the Minotaur. It is. a, ho- <laughs> And he is like a scary, horrifying Minotaur yeah. with like a human face and then this grotesque body who kind of takes on the face and the voices of the people that he's killed. And then he, the, the ones that he doesn't take on get like trapped in the wall and like they're like this weird ghost spooky slime wall yes with people in it because the minotaur is a living breathing thing in itself and they have to literally kill kill the labyrinth yeah and so like you know without giving too much away yes the minotaur is killed but not in a way that i expected no and to the point now where like they set up something like i would happily read whatever the fuck I will weird status quo they end up with at the end absolutely like, if they continue on theseus's specific journey i think that's incredibly compelling because he really he is changed by this experience and he has learned the like he has gone through a proper character arc where he has learned what being a hero takes and the consequences of that and now there's something kind of horrifying within him yeah 100 percent, so great and I, I the um the woman who's with with him as well is also who, who seems to know much more about what's happened to him than he does mm. like is 
I feel like she might be evil, and I yeah. love that. But, and After like, they leave, like the entire island of Minus, totally slaughtered. Yeah, everyone. That's not everyone. a spoiler, guys. Like you, you knew that a bunch of death was going to happen. You should absolutely read this miniseries. It was really a really really fun su- surprise to come out through Image this year, um, and we'll definitely be on our short list of uh, best miniseries of the year, which you'll be definitely. able to vote on. Um, in an, I think hopefully by the, end, by the end of the month, oh, um, yeah. we'll put this survey together for cool. all of our listeners to vote on. Last year was a lot of fun. And uh, the best news is that we won't do a live episode to announce the winners, which was just a disaster <laughs> that last year. was a year. nightmare. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just do a regular episode. Um, but also, this is, like, this is a series that has been picked up to make a TV series. And I'm interested to see really? how they do that. But like the... The way this looks, I think, is something that's going to be really difficult to translate effectively into TV. Um, it's and a quite a ridiculous-looking minotaur. Yeah, so. and you're really going to miss out on Lucas Kettner's art. So I think if this concept appeals to you at all, please pick up this series, especially 100%. in trade. Um, so I read a few other image books, uh, quite a few other image books, um, and I'll try and uh, go through these as quickly as I can. I'll have um, a nap. Invincible, issue number 142. Um, so close to the end. Yeah, that's right. It's part 10 of the, the 12 last issues. Um, this is uh, Robot War, part one of one. Um, and uh, this uh, basically saw like the final battle between Robot and, uh, and, and Invincible. Uh, Robot was a character who previously uh, killed a lot of people in order to do something good. And uh, it's something that Invincible has never, ever forgiven him for. Um, and even though he aided uh, Invincible in a final battle, there's still a lot that, cut that both Invincible and, and many other characters in this universe uh, uh, want to say to him with, his, with their fists. Nice. Um, it's the only way I talk. I think this was, a, this was, a, this was a, an issue that felt much more like what Invincible is usually like, like, you know, very fun action scenes with mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue and jumping between different characters and, um, you know, big big revelations for different characters as they're kind of being given bigger roles in this world. Um, but overall, I thought the finale between the two characters in particular, Robot and Mark, was a bit of a letdown. Whatever. There's two more issues of this left. Um, Get through it. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're almost done. Um, and there's a, a big, whoa, shocker at the end of this issue that I'm not sure how they're going to resolve because it's a bit icky. Mm. Um, East of West, issue number 35. I can't um, there's been 35 issues of this. Fuck, man. It's such a good series. Jonathan Hickman, Nick Dragotta. This is one that you should add to your summer I reading know. list. Not that you weren't going to read any less books week to yeah. week in the summer. but I'm going to be back at work. Um, the, the, the final page of each issue of East of West has the quote, um, we would tell you to pray, but it wouldn't do any good. You have earned what is coming to you. It's been mm. on the back of every issue since issue one. And finally, in this issue, some characters say that exact, mm. those exact lines of dialogue. Um, and it's really scary and cool and awesome. Um, and uh, this issue um, kind of teams up with the Horsemen of the Apocalypse, kind of catches up with, with three of the Horsemen of the Apocalypse, and also um, with Death himself um, and the son of Death um, as he learns j- just who his son is. Mm. Um, it's a just a very, very different and weird and cool mm. and black comedy kind of uh, uh, series that uh, I love. It's excellent. Nick Trigotta's art is, is sensational too. So cool. Who does the colours? Does Nick Trigotta do the colours uh, I think well? it is. Um, no, it's um, uh, Frank Martin. Great colours. <laughs> is he the brother of the colourist Laura Martin? Hmm. We'll never know. Matt I Wagner. I everyone's related who works right. in comics. Or Martins. He's Steve Martin's son. Yeah. Um, Matt Wagner this week uh, put out issue four of his book Mage, The Hero Denied, um, in which an, an older... Um, superhero named Mage who has the power to turn anything that he holds into the um, the sword of Excalibur um, 
he's basically yeah he's fighting all of his all these different demons that are coming after him so they don't come after his family and um it it i know that's a, that that sounds tropey but it's doing very different things with that idea um and as this guy gets the the, the shit beating out of him and he doesn't know what to do next mm. he can speak to god through atm machines that's pretty fun that is fun <coughs> what although it ask? says a lot about um our relationship with money Oh yeah! Wow, makes you think. Mm. <laughs> um, I read issue Ties three. Into Black Monday murders. I read issue three of the Realm just to see if it is a book that is not for me. And guess what? It is a book that is not for me. Nice. So that's the end of my yeah. relationship with the Realm. Um, Descender, Rise of the Robots continued. Uh, written by Jeff Lemire with Dustin Nguyen. Issue number twenty six of this came out this week. And you know what? I don't want to review this by myself. Lucky I got a guest review. Nice by the guy who gave us this episode, Tom Burton himself. Descender 26, he says, Descender has hit full stride. The one word that comes to mind for this book is epic. Issue 26 is kicking off everything this book has been building up to since the beginning, and I couldn't be having a more fun time. It's really amazing the way Lemire balances the galaxy-wide conflict and the struggles of a single robot and have them to be both in, um, engaging. The way Nguyen depicts grotesque violence has a true beauty to it. While in the past, I've thought the watercolor style doesn't work for action. I agree, Tom. I thought at first, there'd be moments where I thought it'd be a bit lost, but I'm, I've grown to love it. This issue completely proves me wrong. Uh, there were some special things about this issue as well. First, the fold-out spread halfway through, the stunning, through is stunning. I'll show you that in a second, Siobhan. Yes, exactly. You turn the page and all you can see is the simple Descender logo looking up at you. Then you open it. It is absolutely beautiful. Secondly, even though the cover is almost as simple as it can be, something about it I find truly breathtaking. It's definitely one of my all-time favorite covers. A truly wonderful issue of a fantastic story. So Descender is the the... Jeff Lemire book that I feel like nowhere near enough people um, yeah. read. It's a really fun sci-fi book, um, a massive adventure story um, featuring uh, like robots and the humans whose lives have been affected by robots. And then there's a massive um, like attack by these robots. And mm-hmm. so all robots are outlawed. It's crazy. Everyone has like different intertwining relationships with each other. Um, and at the moment we're in the middle of a massive war. Um, and in this, uh, the robots finally reveal themselves. They've been in hiding. Um, and we get this oh, incredible four-page spread wow. of uh, robots revealing themselves in different Beautiful. parts of the universe. The color palette for this is so gorgeous and so unusual for a sci-fi book. It's 100%. all these beautiful pastels. Yeah, I mean, you, you're kind of used to seeing like um, you know like uh, sci-fi novels with watercolor covers, mm-hmm. and this is like, what if an entire comic was told in that mm. style? Very, very Beautiful. vivid and imaginative and. Um, he, like yeah, the colors so are dreamlike. wonderful. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. This is a great issue. Um, one, one of one of the better issues that came out this week. Um, and I mean, more things should have massive fold out. Uh, Absolutely. Things in the middle. Good fun. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Tom, for your guest review. If you, if anyone listening would like to do a guest review, um, hit up our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash series podcast, and uh, you can be a regular contributor to the podcast too. Finally, I read uh, Black Science number thirty three by Rick Remender, Matteo Scalera, and Marino Denicio. Um, a Rick Remender's extremely fun and chaotic um, science fiction book. Another one of the, the ones that I wish you read too. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it it's is. It's so weird to me that I'm only reading one Rick Remender book. Yeah, because he writes like 10. Yeah. Um, but uh, this, um, just so much happens in this book where yeah. like so many insane intertwining relationships, not just between like relationships of people from the one world, but they're all from like, because this is all about jumping from, reality to reality there are different versions of different mm. characters from different realities and like people reveal themselves as not their true selves cool. um, and it's not like that mission impossible 2 thing where they keep pulling off their faces and they're a different character i it, wish it was it like always that. feels like a genuine shock um and like you know and also no it's one of those character comics where nobody is safe 
Mm. Um, we, we truly don't know what's Rick going Rick is pretty ruthless. Yeah, totally. But this one in particular, like so much fucking insane shit happens from issue to issue. And uh, this is like really running at like 11... Wait, what's like this running at 100 beats per minute? I don't know. That's not even fast. I'm a DJ. I should know. 260 beats per minute. You-, you get kicked out of a club if you played something that fast. <laughs> You'd never get booked again, Siobhan. I'd never get. I would never get booked as a DJ. What would you play? Opening track to a full dance floor. Um, Batman theme. Which one? The bat. The, the Batman the the Prince one. Series. Oh, oh. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably the that dance would be good, but go down okay. Yeah, that'd be all right. Just that whole album. Just <laughs> yeah. Not mix it or anything. Um. So uh, we got some other publishers left to review. Um. We got. Let's go to Boom. Let's do it. Boom Studios this week put out the fourth issue of Metcadet U. Written by Greg Pak with art by Takeshi Miyazawa and Triona Farrell. Um, this is uh, a very kind of like uh, a, a tribute, if you will, mm-hmm. to uh, to like, you know, classic giant robot mech manga and anime. Yep. Um, it's very Japanese. Um, but uh, at the heart of it is like a, a, this like, you know, very, very good, good hearted young boy mm-hmm. um, who uh, has a connection with a mech and um, they find themselves uh in a fight in the start of what could be an enormous war that might that they might be in the middle of. It's very cool to see. I feel like where there's this whole generation of creators who are so influenced by anime and manga and we're getting really cool stuff out of that, like Fence and Met Cadet U. I think there's such fun stuff um, that is being done at the moment. And I love this like big epic kaiju story with these really sweet, cute sort of adolescent characters. I think it's like a classic thing that works really well. And Greg Pak clearly loves this kind of story and it seems like it's something very personal for him like i like that he's getting to write so many series with asian characters um and i really i really enjoy this i think it's really sweet it has a really good heart as well as like incredible fight scenes um i love this yeah me too haven't got and i really love the the i can't remember what they're called crag or scrag or something something, but they're like these creepy giant crab monsters and they just look great and it's it's going in a really fun direction i the think shrag the shrag the shrag scrag they look a like bunch big, of scrags. Big old crabs yeah they're big it's good it's good, good guys yeah very very Check good, it out. good good issue um and you really feel like a, a very epic war is building as well yeah which means lots more robot crab battles hell yeah um i also read from boom box um, I wonder why Mech.U is not a... It's a Boom Studios book, not a Boombox book. I think Boombox is like... there it's is more like the, grounded slice of life stuff or something? Yeah, and also there's generally like a queer component as yeah, well. Yeah, and like a very tween audience. Yep. So I read um, Misfit City, which is written by Kirsten Smith and Kurt Lustgarten, illustrated by Naomi Frank, Frankies, colours by Brittany Peer. Um, this is kind of like a... Uh, it's very Goonies inspired, but mm-hmm. they're all girls. They're all like teen girls, um, and they sort of have live in a town where a made-up equivalent to the Goonies was filmed, and now they're going on a sort of a hidden treasure-style adventure. And I like the <laughs> I've sort of lost what's happening in the plot in this book, but I just love the way it looks so much. I think that um, Naomi Frankies does such a incredible job with giving all these characters really different faces and they all have a really great um, aesthetic and I, I love the way it looks more than I understand what's actually going on in the book. And so I think I'm just reading it for that. Yeah, I didn't like the dialogue, but I love the art. Yeah, I, th- so I think I that the dialogue is pretty good, but I I've, I've just don't know what's going on in the plot anymore. There's right. like a possession going on. Oh, no. It's pretty weird. <laughs> um, so through uh, Valiant... 
this week, we, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, uh, issue three of Bloodshot Salvation by Jeff Lemire, Luis LaRosa, Miko Sayan, Diego Rodriguez, and Brian Reber um, came out. And uh, this is basically, it's like split between um, this kind of like present day in which Bloodshot is no longer with us. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Or actually we learn that he's trapped in the future in this issue. Um, and then uh, the other half of the issue is, I guess, the events that le- lead to him dying. Mm. Um, so we see him go up against his wife's father, mm-hmm. who leads like a cult. Creepy sex cult. Yeah, no good. And he's like 300 years old or something weird. Yeah. Um, or at least he says he is. Yeah. Um, what I enjoyed about this is um, how effortlessly it um, kind of combined uh, other characters. For, it, for, it featured other characters mm-hmm. from the Valiant Universe, like Punk Mambo and Ninjak. Mm-hmm. I especially liked Ninjak's like, funny little cameo in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I love this series. I think it's... Again, like Valiant books are so fun to explain to people because you're like, okay, so you know how there's a bloodshot and then he has a baby who is also a bloodshot and they have a dog who's also a bloodshot and then there's a bunch of other bloodshots that are um, helping out the baby and the mom. But there's a bad, bad bloodshot called Rampage. Yeah, who's also hunting bad, him. But he is. But he is. He sure is. Um, I really like this book though. I think it does a really fun job of having, like it's a silly concept but with a lot of heart. <laughs> Yes. I think it works really well. Definitely. It plays and I'm in invested in strengths. all these characters. Definitely. I really enjoy this. I would I would say the same thing about Descender. Like it is like a, yeah. it's a very very big and silly concept with an insane amount of heart that, yeah. that kind of really really inspires you to keep reading. It's what Lemire's good at. He understands genre so well but yes. gives everything this like real pathos. Real sadness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, "Oh, I'm going to be sad, but enjoy this book." Um, so Dark Horse this week gave us um, the sixth issue of Briggsland Lone Wolves, written by Brian Wood, with no one like quite a step down in art by um, someone called Werther Deledra, Lee Lowridge, and Matthew Woodson. This is the story that I swear, like you know, over a year ago we learned had been picked up for a TV series, mm. but there's no sign of that ever coming out yet. But mm. it's about a um, a bunch of uh, of you know Americans who have a sovereign nation, the Briggs family, um, and uh, the 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 mother of the family has basically like severed herself from from the father who's now in jail and is trying to lead the community and not everybody is is uh is a okay with this and this issue was like kind of like more of the same like someone going up against grace and other people having dealings with the fbi and like going behind people's back and all that kind of stuff like we've seen this happen a few times now and i was like ah oh, maybe i'm gonna drop this but then there's a a pretty exciting cliffhanger um that involves the uh the father who's in jail that I was not expecting. Cool. Um, but more than anything, I just hope we see um, Mac Chater return as artist on this yeah. book because I think that was a big part of why I liked it so much. Yeah, I have fallen off this series and it doesn't really seem appealing to me anymore, unfortunately. Um, I also read, what is it, like the sixth Colin Bunn book of the week? No, probably not. Is that second, se- only second this week. Yeah. Um, Unholy Grail. Lazy. Written by Colin Bunn with art by Mirko Kolak. This is the um, What If Merlin Was a Bad Guy the whole time King Arthur series. And if you like the sort of King Arthur <coughs> myth, this has some fun stuff in it for you. And I like the art. It's pretty good. Cool. Um, finally, I read a book that um, I think the first issue came out the week that you were away and Lynn co-hosted right. with me. This book is uh, out through Vault Comics. and is wow, called, it's been a while. Yeah. Like Zoja Kwan, I guess maybe. It's, I don't know. Z-O-J-A-Q-A-N. Weird. Um, and it's uh, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig with, uh, Lansing, sorry, with um, art by Nathan Gooden and Vittorio Stone. And um, it's a story of a mother who, ha- who loses her child to, like, I think, like, 
either a car accident or police brutality, something sad like that. And um, I mean, it's all, it's sad no matter what way, but yeah, it, this, yeah. It, it, this feels quite real world uh, links. Um, but the opposite of the real world happens. She gets uh, transported to a fantasy world in which she kind of becomes the mother figure for a bunch of like helpless aliens. And um, she teaches them everything that, that, that she can in order for them to survive. And then she goes away back to earth. And then when she returns, um, they've take, they've interpreted her teachings all the wrong way and oh, no. they've become like like the, the male of the species have become really dominant and treat all the women like like you know like sex slaves oh, and no. they they lie about their stories in battle and kill weak the weak ones all that kind of thing and then realizing what that this is all on her she she kills the um the males and then teaches all of the women um how to survive oh, and no. so then when when she returns to earth you know, what's going to happen when she finally returns. Not Hectic. good things, I, I guess. Um, it's a really cool concept. That is a cool concept. I like this, it. This woman, like, and also there is like this idea that maybe this is all just in her head and this is her way of dealing with the trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, all that will be revealed in oh, future so issues. Cool. This is a cool. They do such interesting things at Vault. Yeah, Vault do very high concept, cool things. Mm. Those are all of the reviews of the comics that we read this week. Woo. One last thing to do is to recommend uh, to you a bunch of comics that are coming out this week. I've got four words for you, Siobhan. Hell yeah. A Die Hard Christmas. Yes, please. What? I just rewatched my favorite Die Hard the, the other first day. One? No, the third one. Oh, you're weird. Come on. Hey, actually, so that, that's, good. that's Bianca's favorite Die Hard too. Um, She's correct. The first one's just perfect. Yeah, but the third one has Samuel Jackson that's true. and all right. Jeremy Irons. That's all about like weird puzzles. Yes. Okay. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I just love how, how how simple the first one yeah, is. Yeah, the first one is like yeah. pretty perfect, but the third one even more perfect. All right, wow. Um, so there is a comic coming out, a soft cover and a hard cover next week, a, a little graphic novel called A Die Hard Christmas. Yes, please. I didn't read any more of that. I was like, "That's all I need to know." Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be picking Done. that one up. I'm on board. Um, it is the best Christmas movie, Die Hard. Yes. That and Home Alone, tied first. Or I'm up at Christmas Carol. Mm, Come on. Disagree. <laughs> Um, normally I talk about all the first issues coming out next week, but I thought I would let you know some issues of some comics that we've loved that we're getting the final issues of, um, including Eleanor and the Egret. Cool. Um, which is the Sam Keith and John Lehman, Mm -hmm. um, book about a, um, an art enthusiast and an Egret who likes to eat art. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we also get the final issue of Sword Quest, which is the Atari and Dynamite book about the man who has cancer, finds his old Atari and then realizes that he... Uh, like like the plot of a video game is actually revealing something about his real life. It is so much better than that sounds. Sorry. Not that you did a poor job of explaining it, but it's a hard concept to explain. Yep. But it's like, I think that that's going to have a really compelling, um, heart-wrenching end. Uh, the new issues that we get next week, we get the uh, big DC event, number one of Doomsday Clock, which is we're finally going to see the, uh, the Watchmen characters brought into the regular DC universe. That could be cool. I'm I'm the most excited about it. Like I mean, it's I'm gonna be fun about to read Gary Frank. Exactly. Like, I'm I'm excited to read Jeff Johns again. Yeah. But more than anything, Gary Frank, whose work I loved on my favorite thing that he did was the um, what's like the the universe that the um the Squadron Supreme. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think Straczynski wrote it, and he okay. did the art for it with like Nighthawk and um, Hyperion and all that. I love his art on that. I love any time that he and Jeff Johns work you know, together. Batman Earth One books are good too. Yeah. Yeah, real Superman good stuff. Secret Origin. Oh, so hell yeah. Great. That's probably my favorite. Um, Betty and Veronica have a new book called Betty and Veronica Vixens, number one. Good I Lord. I guarantee we're going to hate. 
So yeah, look forward to that. that sounds like something I'll hate. Um, and then also from DC, we get Demon Hell is Earth, which is a new Etrigan book written, written by, by Andrew Constantine. Andrew Constant, yeah. Oh. Um, and who is uh, <laughs> nice the husband of uh, artist Nicholas Scott. Mm, sleeping is... your way to the top. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it doesn't feature Nicholas Scott art. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually looking for, I love the character of Etrigan. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, um, same. Henry Constant has been writing uh, Phantom comics for the last year, so it's cool to see him doing DC stuff. Absolutely. Uh, we get the 11th issue of the Commandy Challenge, which features art by Walt Simonson. Oh, cool. Um, it's the uh, second last issue of that. Oh, I was thinking of last issues. I think we get the last issue of Moon Girl. Not Moon Girl, Motor Girl. Oh, God. For a second, I was like, what? It's still a bummer, but I think that one's a much more natural yeah. kind of uh, end totally. for a great series. Uh, and on the uh, second issues of uh, comics that we really enjoy, we get the second issue of Rugrats. Yes, please. More Rugrats, everybody. Box and, Brown. Um, I think that's it for second issues. We get the um, the second trade of the um, manga of Your Name. Have you been re- reading or watching that? You should. Bo- what, it just came out. The film just came out. It's a phenomenal movie. I have not watched yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about. Okay. And I started reading the manga last week, the first mm-hmm. part. Um, but it's like the highest grossing Japanese animated movie of all time. It came out last year called Your Name. You check oh, it out. I think I actually have that. I think Jim from Kings recommended it to me and I have it in a pile of stuff that I haven't read yet. Awesome. Cool. Real. So there's uh, the books that we'll be talking about next week. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to find us online, you can find us at facebook.com slash podcast or join our group. Facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Siobhan can be found on Twitter mm-hmm. at Siobhan, CBG. I literally never tweet. That's great. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't That's even... worth a follow. Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> incredible. Um, and I'm at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. We also have a Serious Issues Twitter, which is Serious underscore underscore issues. And we have a Patreon where if you want to support the show, you will be treated to a brand new uh, graphic novels episode mm-hmm. that we're about to record right now. Um, I've man, read a bunch. I read fucking tons. Yeah, you have. Like we haven't apes. recorded one in like two months, yeah. so it's a lot more than usual. But um, what have we got? Um, uh, I, I read the first trade of Spencer and Locke. Oh, cool! And I read um, the uh, incredible hardcover of uh, the Luther Strode Legacy. With nice. The hardcover. Um, there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff. There's some manga in there. I made yep. the first issue of uh, first edition of Goodnight Pun Pun. Cool. Um, so if you want to hear us talk about, about yeah, bigger things, if you, what have you got? You give us um, a sizzle. I read, I read My Pretty Vampire by Katie Skelly, which was amazing. A new um, autobio comic called Spinning by Tilly Walden, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Really cool fantagraphics book called Bottomless Belly Button. I've also uh, been rereading Final Crisis, so I want to have oh, a wow. chat about that. Yeah, I fun. haven't read that since um, since it first came out, came out yeah, in like wow, 2008 or whatever. So, yeah, some cool awesome. stuff. Awesome. Well, Christmas is coming up, guys. And if you want some great gift ideas, there's nothing better than a graphic novel or a trade paperback. And we'll be reviewing some of our favorites from the That's last few months. That's what all my family and friends will be getting. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, patreon.com slash Series podcast. Um, I think it's like two bucks. Gets yeah. you access to all of the bonus episodes that we've done before. Um, and uh, I love doing them. They're really fun to do. Yeah, it's really good. Well, you know, if we, we'll hopefully have more time in the future to do more of them. But um, you're going to get a very good one um, coming up later today. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Stay serious. Bye. Well done. (laughs) This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.